Do you guys know the youngest person who ever swore? It was Job. He cursed the day he was born. Welcome to Walk With Him. I'm Elder Blacker, and here we're welcoming all who are looking to improve their lives by improving their relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ. My name is Mitchell Redmond, and here we're going to be discussing a variety of topics and doctrine related to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. There's a lot to learn from the Savior's birth all the way up to his mortal ministry, and here our mission is to help you live the best life from his example. Life is never perfect, but our Savior is. So join us as we walk with him. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that joke. I think it's pretty funny. Um, I don't think I've actually ever read Job. Um, I have. It's actually kind of interesting because when you really look at it, what's funny is this is also kind of semi-related to what I'll be talking about. But most likely it's actually a parable. Parable. Yeah. Essentially what happens is Satan is like, look, man doesn't do anything unless they believe it'll benefit them later. And God's like, okay, well, here's Job. He's perfect. Go ahead and test it out. And Satan's like, okay. Bad stuff, bad stuff, bad stuff. And then Job is like, I hate it. And so he curses the day he was born. He curses God. He curses a lot of things. And so essentially, while Job is blessed later, it kind of was just proving Satan's right, which given it's a parable, it's not like, well, it's it's just kind of interesting. But that's not really what we're talking about. Well, kind of. Well, yeah, but we'll get into that. First, I think we should talk about the main talk where presentation we'll be discussing is give credit where credit is due what's in the name of the episode oh i'm not in charge of naming it you're just in charge of sitting there and saying words and i'm in charge of uh everything else yeah i'm in charge of the humor oh that means i'm not funny what (laughs) well you're funny how will you carry his name with my hands wow See, this is why like I'm not Simon of Cyrene carrying his cross. Didn't we talk about that before? Um, maybe. I feel like we talked about it Briefly. when conference happened. I don't know. But who was this given by? Abigail Allen? Yes. I should let you introduce this because you actually like saw this in person. Okay. And yeah. I, I saw this for the first time this week. So <laughs> not even this week. You saw it like 10 hours ago. Yeah. (laughs) So this is a talk given. So at BYU, they have weekly devotionals in one of their buildings. And so they just bring in a bunch of general authorities, just other people of the church. Sometimes they even have apostles, which is kind of cool. In fact, the week after this one, I think is Elder Gong was the next speaker. So I was like, ah, dang it. I was one week too late. But this is a talk called How You Carry His Name by Sister Abigail M. Allen. This, I like this talk in particular, not just because I went in person, but it answered kind of a lot of questions that I was having at the time because I was in Utah as I was trying to get all the appointments and stuff with my stake president. And this was when like his secretary and him were like confused about what day was actually going to be my meeting. So it's just like, okay, guys, just... So I'm just kind of sitting there being like, I have no idea what's happening. I don't know when anything will happen. And the fact that conference was right before this was also pretty helpful, which we also went to conference, which that was fun. Oh, I thought this was when you went like just with your family. No, this was like, so what conference was the second? This is the conference might have been the 30th. Oh, the 30th first and the first. And the first yeah, because yeah, conference is on a Saturday and a Sunday usually. 
But yeah, I really enjoyed this talk. And I think it's pertinent to, especially at this time where everyone's trying to, you know, start their New Year's resolutions, trying to figure out what they want to do and what they want to fail at. Because that's always, I feel like unconsciously we're like, okay, this is what I want to do. Like we have a whole list. I feel like either we just like don't do that entire list, which is why I guess what mostly happens or just like, well, this is what I'm least attached to to try and fix. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes a lot of sense. It's like we're almost predisposing ourselves to being like, well, I'm giving myself leeway to fail this thing, but I really want to do X. But Y and Z don't really matter to me. What's interesting, though, is I find that like, so something that my family does is we essentially fill out a paper every year where it's kind of like a, a year in review kind of thing. And it just asks you some questions. It's like, what's some of your favorite stuff that happened in this past year? What's some of the stuff you learned? What's some of the hardest stuff? What's What are you looking forward to next year? And we just keep these papers, and every year we look at them, right? Oh, yeah, I saw your paper. Yeah, and so it's interesting for me to look like on the last year, because even though I don't ever, I've never been very good at like keeping a plan to make a resolution, where if it's like, yeah, I want to get better at rollerblading, which I have not ever said, but... <laughs> So I'm going to go every week and rollerblade, right? Well, that doesn't ever happen for me. But what's interesting is I found that as I look back on the year, it's like, oh, actually, I feel like I've gotten better at this, even though I didn't like keep an actual plan to. And I think that kind of just says something to like, if you're trying to improve yourself because you're involving God, you will improve because there's a there's a book that i listened to recently and it's called finish give yourself the gift of done i really liked it because the whole premise of the book was talking about perfectionism basically a big list of all the ways that perfectionism gets in the way of their goals and one of the chapters was talking about how complicated goals and plans give you so many different steps that you have to do that it's like it takes longer to A, make the plan, and then it's so complicated that it's like, oh, well, this didn't work, so the whole plan falls apart, you know? This is kind of what I do mainly. It's just like, okay, this is what I want to do, and here's my 18-step plan to make that happen. Just like, no, it doesn't need to be that complicated. But it also can't be vague. One thing that somebody had told me one time was to have a goal and then have your first step be something that is so easy you can't really fail to do it. And the example they used was, oh, I want to go to the gym. And they're like, okay, well, have your first step be I'm going to arrive at the gym, <laughs> right? And even if you don't walk in or whatever else, having that first step of, oh, I arrived at the gym. I think that was a talk. Oh, was it? I, think I just so. remember hearing it in Sunday school. I think that was also in that book where it's just like, okay, well, strip it down to the most basic steps. If you want to go to the gym, arrive at the gym. I think in the talk, they went as far as like, okay, I arrived at the gym for three straight weeks. They were just doing the minimum amount, but while also being consistent. And then they ended up just building it up to where it's like, I worked out for five minutes every single day. Yeah. And that's actually kind of what's happening with the food therapy thing I'm taking. Because the first week, it's like, hey, just write down what you ate. It's like this 40-step thing. And the idea 40. is kind of, 
40 week program. Okay, I like 40 steps. We just got done talking about things that aren't supposed to be complicated. And so step one, just write down what you ate. Step two, eat at these times, even if it's just like a chip. And so this program just takes you step by step by step. And I think that's how we have to view ourselves with the gospel, really, is because to take a look at ourselves and then to just like directly compare it to what we would ultimately hope to be. That doesn't work. No. And then it just makes us sad because we're not at where we need to be. Or we're looking at other people and it's just like, oh, they're better at X thing and I'm not even anywhere close. So already it's just like, well, dang, I'm already failing. Which is also in that book where it's just talking about comparison and how that doesn't make sense because the point of a goal it's to improve. So it's just like if you're comparing yourself to someone that's already done it for years and is a lot better than you at this thing, then it just makes you predisposed to not even want to try. Yeah, there's actually a really good talk about this. It's called Divine Discontent. Maybe it's something we can go into. Look it up if you want. But she kind of talks about this as well, where the story where she ran into somebody and they like asked her about something super specific it was genealogy. Yeah. When I heard that, it was so funny because for context, genealogy is basically compiling like information about our family and just like writing down things about them and just like creating our family tree. And it's something so not obscure, but it's one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, I don't do that either. It's the kind of thing that would catch you off guard. Which it did for her. Yeah. Because normally when people ask about our religion, they say something about, oh, you don't drink. Yeah. coffee or something along those lines. These are the questions I was expecting. Right. What I actually like about this story, and I'll actually read a quote really quick. It says, what people infer from your membership, what they come to believe about BYU, and more importantly, perhaps all they know about the restored gospel of Jesus Christ will, in many instances, be a direct consequence of their interactions with you. I guess what this really like just kind of got me thinking about is how we get ourselves to be recognized as followers of Jesus Christ. There's a, a talk I remember from President Nelson, something along the lines of we need to be better. It was during a priesthood session back when there were specific sessions in general conference where it was like priesthood, then like young women's or relief society or whatever. But he was talking about as brethren of the church, we have the priesthood and specifically the Melchizedek priesthood, which is often called the higher priesthood. And so based on these higher responsibilities, we need to live in a higher and holier way. And often the, the one question that they'll ask you about, even whatever religion you're part of, if they want to know one thing, you're the only person that they know that is part of this religion. And then their entire view of your religion is based on that one question they asked you and how you responded to it which is kind of scary to think about because it's like, oh, well, I'm not very good at explaining these questions. But if you're already doing the best you can, then you'll already be prepared to answer these questions. So living that higher, holier way, it does have a standout. Interestingly enough, the prophet told the youth to stand out. And what I think of when he says that is where Jesus talks about by this people will know that you're a disciple of mine. Right? Yeah. By this shall men know ye are my disciples. Right. And I think ideally we would be living our lives in a way where people around us can notice without us needing to tell them I'm somebody with standards and I follow the teachings of Christ. But I think that can be 
kind of confusing on how to do that. She said in this talk, she was like, I thought I was doing a phenomenal job showing everybody that how good I am at this, right? And then somebody was like, oh, you're, you're a member? I never would have guessed that. And she was like, ah, <laughs> what? Someone actually said that to me now that I think about it. When I was a lifeguard, the manager of the one pool, it was our last day. And I don't know who said it. Maybe I said some sort of comment. And she's like, wait, you're a member? I never would have guessed or I had no idea. Or just like, oh, yeah, I just didn't say anything about that at all. And especially if maybe you're at BYU or you think you have more experience in the gospel, right? And then someone's like, oh, I would have never guessed that you were a member. It's just kind of disheartening. And to be fair, you might. Christ tells us to pray in our closets. And, you know, if you're praying on the street corner, that's not the way to go about this. <laughs> but what's interesting is I kind of think that this whole concept of standing out is becoming easier. Yeah, especially there's one line in the talk that I like where it's like, because you are pursuing education at BYU, you have that BYU diploma and that basically marks you as a member. Yeah, like I didn't hear a lot in Utah where they're like, what? You were a member? Never would have guessed. But that wasn't the point. The point is I heard a lot and maybe I just haven't been paying attention, but it seems to me like I heard a lot more like, advertisements where they're like, hey, get yourself this for Christmas rather than be nice to others. And I thought that was really interesting. And, you know, there's there's probably better and more examples of this, but that was just like the most recent example I noticed of the world being more selfish. And that's the exact opposite of the Savior. And so when the world's more selfish and you are selfless, it sticks out more. Yeah, people are going to notice that a lot more. I mean, the easiest way for you to practice that, for us at least, is when you serve a mission. Yeah, you, you probably like were recognized all the time in yeah. Mexico. as kind of like, why? Why are you doing this? Yeah, I mean, in certain areas, they've been there forever, the missionaries. And yeah. so people kind of get used to you walking around. But any part in the world, it varies depending on the culture, but you're walking around in these white shirts and ties with name tags, and then you're just walking around trying to talk to everybody, and it's like, who are these guys? Or if they're familiar, then they're like, oh, there goes the Mormons. There's that way where it's the easier way because people already see from your external appearance that this is what you're doing, or by your actions, what you say and how you treat other people. Mm -hmm. is the way that we should be noticed by people. I mean, that's why the church has so many affiliations with different religious organizations. As a missionary, especially, you literally aren't doing anything else. And so you see somebody on the side of the road and it's like, hey, can we help you with this couch or whatever else? You literally don't have anything else to do. And so that was one of the biggest ways that we would get recognized. Really, there's like a lot of ways to serve somebody because just being somebody's friend, listening to somebody after they've had a hard day, even somebody just like smiling. I don't know. I smile at strangers and when they smile back, especially when they're old, I don't know why, especially when they're old, but like I love it when <laughs> like people over the age of 60 or 70 smile back. I don't know why, but my point is that like even something as simple as that is an act of service. You do this service for an extended period of time and people will notice and it's Christ that you're emulating there, which 
is the whole goal of this. Hey guys, thanks for listening to our episode. If you like what you hear and you want to get weekly updates with exclusive content and an inside look on missionary work, join our email list on our website. You can go to lumietmedia.com. That's L-U-M-I-E-T media.com. Just scroll down to the bottom and you'll see a little form where you can put in your name, put in your email. It's free. We don't need anything else from you. We're going to be giving you concise and actionable advice, takeaways from our episodes and lessons and experiences directly from the mission field. And so if that sounds interesting to you, just go to Lumiet Media, L-U-M-I-E-T media.com. And we hope to help you a little bit more every week. Bye. President Nelson said, this was his peacemakers needed talk, right? Yes, which she quotes, and it is a really good talk. So if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it because it's really good. Yeah, she actually encouraged everybody too. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, how we treat each other really matters. How we speak to and about others at home, at church, at work, and online really matters. Today, I am asking us to interact with others in a higher, holier way. Please listen carefully. If there is anything virtuous, lovely, or of good report or praiseworthy that we can say about another person, whether to his face or behind her back, that should be our standard of communication. It's an interesting standard of communication because your standard of communication should be to uplift and never to tear down. Which too often, a lot of people just find ways to poke holes in people's beliefs, arguments, or just... I mean, take social media, for instance. Oh, it's really funny. Because, like, in Christ's time, like, blasphemy was condemnable by death. Yeah. And I, I think it would be fun, not really, but it would be very interesting if that was still condemnable by death today in an age of social media where people say lots of interesting stuff. Like you said, there's a lot of ways for people to serve, but it might not seem that way to us. We might just, like, think, oh... I don't have time or there's nobody that needs my help or anything like that. But if you want a list of what you could do to start working on being more Christ-like, in Matthew 5 is part of the Sermon on the Mount is where Jesus speaks the Beatitudes. It actually repeats in 3 Nephi 12 when he appears to the Nephites in the ancient Americas. But it's a whole list of saying, blessed are the peacemakers. It actually says that. Blessed are the humble. It's a really good list of how you can start to develop those attributes of Christ, how you can start being more patient, how you can be more kind, charitable, all that. So if you want to kind of start to get an idea of what you can improve on, I would highly recommend you start to look at that list and just kind of make notes of maybe things that you're less prone to do on a regular basis, like, oh, I'm not very patient, or I'm, I'm not, not good very at geneal- genealogy, or I'm not good at genealogy, which I don't think either of us do genealogy on a regular basis. So maybe that's something we could try. But just be thinking about what you can do. And like I said, it doesn't have to be super complicated. It shouldn't be super complicated. In fact, some of the goals that I've wanted to start working on. I'm just thinking to myself, what is the most basic thing I can do to even start to be consistent on this goal? It's like, say, I want to be nice to people. That was my very vague goal. I want to start being more serviceable. Start smiling at people. 
Yeah. In fact, I bought a planner that has a habits, like a habit list thing. It's basically a thing where you can just write down what you've been doing. And so it's just like, okay, this is how many people I smiled at, or this is how many times I smiled in this day. So just read the list and just start writing down and thinking about what you can do to be more like Christ. To go to her second point, another really great way that you can start to figure out what you need to improve on personally is by personal revelation. And we already talked about this in our 10th episode. If you want to listen to that, it's we go over a talk called A Framework for Personal Revelation. So we'll put that in the show notes if you want to listen to that. And in the Bible, there's people that say, Lord, what lack I yet? It's people going to Jesus and being like, hey, what do you think I should improve on? There's a really cool quote that I found while I was searching up just things about revelation. It's, um, have you read at all the teachings of previous presidents, like those books? No, I haven't. I'm familiar with them, but yeah, it's a, there's actually a lot of cool stuff. I've found a lot of different cool quotes from that. Even just other general conference talks, they quote a lot from these books. So They have one for each prophet, right? Yeah. So it's just a series of books from previous prophets of our church. And this one's from Spencer W. Kimball. So it's in, they're all books. So this is in chapter 22 about Revelation. So I'll just read this quote that's here. It says, Revelation has not ceased and will not cease. This kingdom of God has been set up for the rest of time never to be torn down nor given to another people. It is a continuous program and will grow instead of diminish. Its doctrines are well established, but because of growth and expansion, improved ways are afforded to teach the gospel all over the world. Additional servants are called to the increasing work for a bigger world. Revelation and other miracles will never cease unless faith ceases. When there's adequate faith, these things will continue. I was looking for a scripture that said revelation has not ceased. I guess it was just this quote because I didn't find any sort of scripture like that. I think the the one I was thinking of was miracles have not ceased. Remember that one? Yeah. There's also the... That one's in Mormon 6. There's the article of faith. Yeah. But I mean, and I would have this, not argument, but kind of where I would just kind of go back and forth with people in Mexico about like, well, we don't need prophets anymore because Jesus gave us the Spirit, so we don't need like preachers or whatnot. Then almost always I would immediately go to Amos 3.7, which talks in the Bible about like, God will do nothing, save it be through the mouth of his servants. He won't give us more revelation unless it's through these authorized servants. And I mean, even in the endowment, it specifies that as well. He's like, these are inspired messengers of God. Listen. I also like that it's like, hey, this was received by revelation. We encourage you to go seek for yourself and find that this is what God wants, right? Yeah. And that's a very necessary step because I don't know why, but we don't ever tend to trust enough that we can just do without knowing. What do you mean? Well, like someone I know, he tore his Achilles and the doctor like had some stuff for him to do and he didn't understand why he was going to need to do that. So he didn't. And then he needed a second surgery. Because he didn't do the first thing. Right. Oh. And so then he was like, oh, (laughs) well, I guess I understand now why this is necessary. And so at least for me, it's super overwhelming when I, I mean, just because of how I am, I can think of a list of things that I'm not doing right. And then it becomes overwhelming for me to be like, okay, well, I need to fix this, this, and especially being as a being a missionary. And so it's a lot better for me when I just kind of sit down, say a prayer and ask God, hey, what do you think I should focus on right now? In fact, there's a quote I got from when I was just browsing the Liahona 
a magazine that the church releases. There was a quote from a dad who was just talking to his daughter or daughter-in-law. I can't remember. But he's just like, just focus on one thing and then figure that out and then just focus on the next thing. And so... I mean, like math. Build upon the concepts. So like I said, there's a lot of different... I mean, in the... What was it? What chapter in Preach My Gospel is the attributes of Christ? Do you remember? Isn't it like chapter five? It was chapter five in the last one. No, six? Five or six? Uh, I, I have no idea I think for it's the six because seven is learn your mission language. One of the chapters in Preach My Gospel, which I feel like I mentioned this before, but it has a a list of attributes of Christ. And I mean, a lot of missionaries read that chapter. And so if you, I would encourage you guys to go look at that. It's really fascinating because at the end, it has a like a plan that you can do once you choose which attribute you want to do. It's like it also has like a self-assessment. Yeah, it's like, that hey, one's cool if you too. don't know what you should focus on, here's some questions and you can just answer them yourself yeah and then it's kind of like oh patience because that seems to be the most common one i feel like those are interesting questions i remember one of them about faith it's like i have the faith to do whatever the lord asks of me even if it requires a miracle or something like that that's interesting questions like that where you're just like oh i i thought i had faith but i don't know if i have that much faith well and then it also says like give an answer between one and five or whatever yeah and so it's not a yes or no do you have faith uh (laughs) <laughs> maybe next question go listen to our episode on personal revelation because that's kind of pretty much everything you need to know about receiving revelation yep that's everything there's not, nothing okay. else to learn that's pretty much the basics not everything okay fair enough fair enough <laughs> to kind of wrap it up a little bit there's a part in the talk that really stuck out to me where it was the it was some BYU student that came up to her the sister Allen, and they started, I don't even know what they said completely, but I know they started out saying, I know I should have more faith, but like already they were coming to her with this question that they wanted to know, but they're like thinking to themselves, oh, I should, you know, be more faithful and not have so many questions or not be doubting this thing. And another quote that I liked immediately after following that story is when she said, faith is not the absence of doubts. It is a choice and a desire to believe in spite of what we do not know or cannot yet understand. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, how are you going to learn if you don't ask anything or if you don't have doubts? In fact, she said that faith cannot exist without doubts because you wouldn't need to have faith if you didn't have doubts because then it would just be you know this thing yeah and like questions are good i don't know i feel like i've been told that a lot actually and i don't know why just kind of throughout my life where it's like yeah you know it's good to have questions you you learn when you have questions yeah i think i think we've been told that throughout seminary as well maybe that's where you're thinking of mostly but it's like at least at that age you're afraid of asking some question because you think you'll be perceived as less faithful or not as knowledgeable, right? Not even just at that age. Like, I mean, I guess in general. It's it's interesting how much we don't want to be wrong or like, or it's like, oh, I know the answer to this, but I'm not going to say anything because uh, I might not be correct. Yeah. Like in school. That's what I was, that was the setting for that statement. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can see myself when I go to BYU just kind of being intimidated by all these other people who seem to know more than me. Mm-hmm. Especially women. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, what's interesting about that is like my trainer told me, he's like, you, everybody has something to learn from somebody. You look at other people and you like, dang, 
they're pretty good at this. And other people are going to be looking at you and they're like, dang, they're pretty good at this because we all have stuff we can learn from each other. Yeah. You know, like the, the Aesop's fables or have you heard of those? Yeah. It reminds me of a story from that where like the ending motto or whatever you call it is like, however smart you think you are or however intelligent or whatever it was, there's always someone smarter than you. That's just kind of a fact. You can't be perfect at everything. You're not going to be perfect at anything. anything. <laughs> Which is kind of a depressing thought, but that's not the point. It's, there's different strengths and weaknesses. And what's cool about the weaknesses that you have is that God can make them strengths. If I, I did a little exercise one day, it was like a week ago, where I read Ether 12.27, which is the scripture I just mentioned. And then I was like, okay, let me write down what I think is a weakness and then write down some good things that could come from it. So like perfectionism. Initially, the bad thing about that I had was that it's like I spend way too much time on making little details that don't seem to matter, like tweaking stuff for hours on end. And then thinking about what is the good thing about that. It's like, well, I'm very focused on quality. I have a vision of what I want it to be, and I'm doing as much as I can to execute that. Yeah, just different hard things. Working. Yeah. That's actually really interesting. I'm I want to do that now. It it was really a fascinating thing to do. Hmm. Like another one was annoyance or like anger. Or it's like, okay. That one was kind of hard for me. So I'm like, well, it's not really good to be angry. But then I was like, wait, this can mean that I would be more aware of what situations would put me in this mood or like being aware of what to avoid. It's it was really it was cool to do. So hmm. maybe you could start there. Just find something that you want to avoid and then either read Matthew 5 or go to preach my gospel and start looking at what you can work on to improve. And like we said, it doesn't have to be complicated. You don't need to make a whole 18-step process on how to be more patient. The last thing I would say is something that she said multiple times in her talk is to trust in his timeline. That is something that we both learned being here for as long as we were, is that whatever plan you think you have, even in the mission, whatever plan you think you've done just goes out the window nine times out of 10. Something that was kind of funny in my missionary apartment um, on the clocks, it was a sticky note that said, in God's time. And it was like, huh. That's so I need. That's what I'm going to put up there because it doesn't even work. <laughs> so I might as well just like have something cool. We're talking about the clock that never works. We probably mentioned it once or twice or five times. Unless it's been edited out. Uh, I've said it so many times. It probably hasn't. It was like, oh, <laughs> here's this one again. We're just going to keep it there. But yeah. So I hope this helped. Hope you guys will start to think about what you can do to improve this year. Don't make it super complicated. I've said that a hundred times, but I'm going to say it again because that is mostly why goals start to fail because it's like, well, this is my complicated process. And it's like, no, do two or three steps max because it really doesn't need to be more than that. Adi toast. Thank you for listening to us. This is Walk With Him, a podcast about Jesus Christ. And if you'd like to know more about Jesus Christ, we have a website, which is Lumiet Media, L-U-M-I-E-T, media.com. On there, you'll find stuff about us, stuff about our Savior, Jesus Christ. You'll find our socials where you can follow us and support the podcast. You can also sign up for our email list where we give you just some advice, takeaways from our episodes, and experiences that we've had from the mission field. 
you can join that email list on our website, follow our socials, and if you could rate us, that would really help other people discover the podcast and just start their own journey towards our Savior, Jesus Christ. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Adios. Adios.